Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chair of colorectal surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And today, I'm super excited to have Dr. Jesse Gutnick on, who is a bariatric and metabolic surgeon, general surgery specialist here at the Department of General Surgery at the Cleveland Clinic. And we're going to talk a little bit about the duodenal switch surgery. So, Jesse, welcome to Butts and Guts. Hi, and thanks for having me. So we always like to start off first uh, with just getting to know you a little bit better. So tell us where you're from, where'd you train, and how did it come to the point that you're here at the Cleveland Clinic? Well, I grew up in Northern California um, in a small town called Fort Bragg, which is on the coast about four four hours north of San Francisco. Um, I came to Cleveland Clinic uh, to do my residency. And then um, after residency, I trained in bariatric surgery at Duke. And I came back here because I love living here. Fantastic. A dookie, all along with all the college basketball world. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the duodenal switch surgery. So to start, can you give us just a little bit of an overview about what this means so our listeners can have a little bit of background? Yeah. And this is also probably a good time to talk about some of the different terminology that's around it. So duodenal switch is one of the bariatric surgery options. And it's one of those that has a lot of different acronyms and names thrown around about it. So the full name of it and, and one that patients may come across is called the biliopancreatic diversion and duodenal switch. So they may see that, especially if they're looking at, for example, their insurance policy and seeing what's covered, They'll it's often spelled out in that way. If you're looking at it online, sort of on patient forums, they might be calling it the duodenal switch or the DS. There's also a type of the duodenal switch that's been growing in popularity, although it's less commonly performed, called the SADI or the SIPS, and there's a lot of acronyms around that one. So um, if you are doing your own research online and in forums most often, and talking to other patients, most often people call it the DS or the switch or the duodenal switch. So to take a step up from here, uh, you know, let's just talk about bariatric surgery in general. So who qualifies for this surgery? What role does surgery play? And kind of how do we put this all together? Really to qualify for surgery, you need to have a certain amount of obesity that is affecting your health or is significant enough that it would, it'll likely affect your health in the future. Most, um, and sort of historically, that's been defined as a BMI of 40 or a BMI of 35 with um, other health issues that are caused by obesity, like sleep apnea, high blood pressure, diabetes, these kinds of things. Now, more recently, several organizations, bariatric surgical societies, some of the diabetes societies have recommended changing those to lower thresholds. However, at this point, most insurance companies haven't followed suit as yet. So kind of bottom line for, for most people, they're working with insurance. It's a BMI of 35 if they have other health issues or a BMI of 40. I think your second question is when would we consider the duodenal switch? This kind of takes a step back in terms of figuring out how do we figure out what operation might fit best for each patient. And often a patient will ask me, well, what's the best one? And there's, there's no best one, but there's usually the best one for a particular patient. And so that's really what your first meeting with a surgeon is all about, is finding out about a patient's past history, because there might be a medical reason that a particular operation is not a good idea. And so we need to make sure we're not planning on that one. 
And then from there, of the ones that are good options, it's really educating the patient about what are the trade-offs that this one has, like how effective may it be for in terms of getting them to a weight loss goal, and then what potential trade-offs in terms of lifestyle might you expect with that particular operation. So I'll give you an example that, that might make this more clear, and that actually just came up with a patient I was seeing um, right before we had this conversation. There was a patient that was coming to me, and this patient was very interested in uh, having gastric bypass, which is one of the other operations. However, this patient needs to use NSAID-type medicines, so like ibuprofen, on a regular basis. And NSAIDs uh, can't be used if you have a gastric bypass because they'll give you an ulcer. And so for the amount of weight loss that she wanted, plus needing to use those NSAIDs for symptom control, the duodenal switch was a better option because you can still use those NSAID medications with the duodenal switch. So that might be, that's just one example, but that's some of the decision-making that happens when you choose an operation. In general, the things that we look for is one, that NSAIDs that I talked about. Number two, it is a, uh, more potent than the gastric bypass in terms of the amount of weight loss that can be expected, all other things being equal. It's more powerful for diabetes control. And so in particular, if people are looking for some diabetes control, that may be a good option. There's also less weight regain than with the other options. So that's another important consideration. So Jesse, I remember going back through my surgical residency, which has been quite a while now, but just some of the history of the uh, weight loss surgeries in whether it's the vertical band of gastroplasty or the scope and arrows procedure or some of these other ones, you know, they've been differing degrees of success in terms of weight loss, but it also then kind of contrasted or and sometimes aligned with safety. So can you talk a little bit about how this duodenal switch, especially, is it safe? Uh, is there, what were the downsides of this? Is there some things that you worry about or have to follow in these patients that get it? Because you have such a high degree of experience uh, and expertise in this. How do you put this all together? Yeah. And you know, and I think, and I'll try to go through this without getting too much into the history. That's always a danger for me because I love the history of surgery. So I'll try to talk through this without getting into that too much. Um, you brought up the, the scope and error procedure, and um, that was the biliopancreatic diversion. And the duodenal switch is a biliopancreatic diversion with a duodenal switch. The main downside of the biliopancreatic diversion, the biggest downside of it, is it was a very high rate of patients got ulcers. And so there were two different surgical groups, one in Canada and one actually in Bowling Green, Ohio, that it almost the same time came up with an idea to modify that to be the duodenal switch with the biliopancreatic diversion and almost completely remove that ulcer risk. And so that's that's sort of how we came to this procedure as we do it today. Although, of course, they were doing it open then and we do it laparoscopically now. With this operation and with actually all of the operations, we have to follow patients lifelong for vitamin levels because with all of them, there's some component of micronutrient malabsorption. With the duodenal switch, we kind of talked about some of the upsides earlier in terms of how potent it is. The flip side of it is we have to measure more vitamin levels than with, for example, the gastric bypass. And so that doesn't really make a big difference in terms of, it's not like you have to get more pokes with your blood draw, but they do have to take off more tubes to check more vitamin levels over the long term. There's also some sort of potential trade-offs in terms of your sort of overall lifestyle with your gastrointestinal system. 
when you're looking at the different operations, they all have trade-offs with your daily life living with your gastrointestinal system. So for example, with the sleeve, some patients get new heartburn after that one. Gastric bypass, some patients get a thing called dumping syndrome, which is an intolerance to sweets. The sort of sweets make you feel sick and give you abdominal cramps. Also with gastric bypass, sometimes there's more intolerance of certain textures of foods. Doing a switch, um, one of the benefits is you don't get as much of that intolerance of certain food textures as much, but you do have softer bowel movements and you may need to watch what you eat a little bit carefully in terms of making sure you don't have more frequent bowel movements. Truth or myth? Duodenal switch surgery can help reduce the risk of certain diseases like cardiovascular disease, respiratory diseases, and metabolic diseases. That's true. And of all the operations, it's the most that we have. And actually of all the treatments that we have, it's the most potent in terms of treating diabetes, high blood pressure, um, and the other metabolic diseases that you mentioned. So Jesse, my brother used to be a used car salesman, so I know that results <laughs> may vary. But what, what is a kind of a typical patient outlook in terms of weight loss and, and how they're doing after the duodenal switch? Uh, how much weight do you expect that they lose? Well, so as you said, results may vary and we don't have a crystal ball, but we, we can look in terms of percentages. And these are round numbers that I typically will quote to patients that are what I feel are a good approximation of the research that's out there because they vary from study to study as well. But in terms of weight loss, bariatric surgeons talk in terms of what's called excess weight loss. And what that means is the difference between what you would weigh for your height at a, what's called a BMI of 25, which is a ratio of your height and weight, and where you are now. And that difference would be called excess weight. So that's how we talk about weight loss and how we compare the operations. And for duodenal switch, the typical person is in an excess weight loss in the range of around 80%. So getting fairly close to that BMI of 25. And re remember, that's sort of the typical person. So there's going to be a few that are less. There's going to be a few that are more in actually getting down to that BMI of 25. If you compare that again in round ways to like, let's say gastric bypass, that's typically in the range of 60 to 70%. And sleeve gastrectomy, I would say typically somewhere in the range of 40 to 50%. Well, of course, results may vary, but that's actually very uh, good kind of rough ballpark numbers to go on. So, you know, you get asked a lot of questions all the time. So are there any other frequent questions you hear from patients about the surgery, something you can touch on or kind of shed some light on? So often the patients that come to me that are interested in duodenal switch are the ones that have spent significant time learning about the surgeries um, on their own ahead of time because it is done the least frequently of all the operations that are out there. And they've come to me because they've, they've sought me out to undergo this surgery. And so they're often asking very nuanced questions about the surgical techniques and limb lengths. And so if people have those kinds of questions, I'm happy to answer them, you know, in person, the ones that people are totally new to this um, want to ask is really what is life like living with the different operations? Because, that's obviously how you end up living like one year later, four years later, five years later. And as best as I can answer, because this is based on what the research is and, and talking to my own patients, meeting them, and also talking to patients that have had surgery, you know, 10, 20 years ago, 
After doing a switch over the long term, most patients are eating a moderate amount of food that is of a regular type of and consistency of food. They're typically having relatively normal bowel function, although softer than before they had the surgery. And they are needing to follow up for their vitamin levels. So that's sort of the lifestyle that most patients are living one year and, and further out after surgery of this type. So are there any other advancements on the horizon when it comes to duodenal switch surgery? I think I spoke earlier about the SADI procedure and how there is some a lot of talk about this, both among patients and doctors. And sometimes there's some confusion about what's what because there's a lot of acronyms that have been associated with these. And so what the SADI procedure is, it's a duodenal switch has one connection instead of two. So the traditional duodenal switch has two. And the SADI has got one connection, so it's got a loop-type configuration. There's some definite advantages to that in that the operation is faster because there's less work to do. And so there's some advantage to that in terms of the risk of time under anesthesia. And so that has become more and more popular. There isn't very, very long-term data out there like there is for the duodenal switch. The DS, there's over 10 years of very, very high-level data like personally, I see patients that have had it 20 or more years ago that I do follow up on. Uh, of course, they weren't my own patients. They were operated on by other doctors. But um, So we don't have that yet for the SADI, but it looks extremely promising in the early follow-up. And based on the way it's performed, we have every reason to suspect that it would have very good long-term results that are probably slightly less powerful than the duodenal switch, which is what we're seeing in the in the short term. Short term, and by short term, I mean one to five years is what we have right now. So that's the biggest thing that's out there. It's covered by some insurances, but not all. But that's a moving target. So if someone listens to this podcast six months or a year from now, that could be very different in terms of the insurance coverage because it has been recommended by the Bariatric Surgical Society to be considered, you know, one of the standard surgical procedures, even though not all of them are covering it yet. Well, that's super exciting. And it's great to see that there's things that are continuing to evolve in this kind of field. And so now it's time to get to know you a little bit better through our quick hitters. So first of all, we're talking about bariatric surgery. So what's your favorite food? My favorite food is all types of Indian food. And, and I can't even pick a favorite because I would just exclude too many that I like. No problem. What's your favorite sport to play and or to watch? Uh, favorite sport to watch is auto racing, most especially Formula One racing. And I'm not much of a team sport person myself. I like hiking. Okay. So you're standing in front of a group of people and you say the place that you need to go travel to because it's one of your favorites is where? One of the places that I am most looking forward to going back to as my kids get older is um, Acadia National Park because it has some really nice biking trails. And so as kids get older, they, they may not want to hike for quite as long as you want to, but hopefully they want to bicycle along with you as long as you want to bicycle with them. And so I think that's the, the next place that I really want to go back to. That's fantastic. And so uh, tell us something you like about living here in Northeast Ohio. You know, the thing that's best, obviously, is family. My wife's family is here, and um, they've become my family. And of course, the people. I live on the west side of, of Cleveland, which I have to recommend for a lot of different reasons. Most of all, there's just a little bit less snow than, than on the east side. 
Fantastic. And so give us a final take-home message for our listeners about the duodenal switch or bariatric surgery in general. The duodenal switch is a great option, and I'm really excited that we're able to offer it to patients here at Cleveland Clinic. Um, but it's just one option among bariatric surgery in general. Bariatric surgery is by far the most effective treatment for obesity and all the other health issues that come along with it. And so if someone's considering uh, weight loss surgery, I think the first step is learning more. We obviously have good options um, online where we do educational seminars. There's written information online on our own website. There's plenty of other great educational websites out there. That's a first step. If you're more interested than just learning more, we're happy to meet with you and find out you know, what operation might be right for you to treat your specific situation. Well, that's fantastic. And to learn more about the Bariatric and Metabolic Institute here at the Cleveland Clinic, please call 216-445-2224. That's 216-445-2224. You can also visit clevelandclinic.org slash bariatrics for more information about bariatric surgery at the Cleveland Clinic. Again, that's clevelandclinic.org slash bariatrics. Jesse, thanks for joining us on Butts and Guts. Thanks so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts.